The Texas Longhorns have made plans to rekindle a rivalry with an SEC West program, but that program is not Texas A&M. It's May 17th. My name is Connor Tapp, and you're listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. Texas and Alabama have announced the scheduling of a home-and-home series for 2022 and 2023, with the first leg set to take place at Darrell K. Royal Stadium in Austin. It will be the first time the two teams have met on the gridiron since the fateful 2010 Rose Bowl. To make room for the series, Texas had to push back another series they'd already scheduled with Ohio State, which tells you something about how aggressively the Longhorns are filling up their non-conference slate with elite programs. Chip Brown of Horns 24-7 joins us now. Chip, in the comments on Taylor Estes' post about the home-and-home home with Alabama on Horns 24-7, I saw a lot of enthusiasm from Texas fans and very little dread. If my favorite team were opting into a series with Alabama, I'm not certain I'd be so brave. What is it about this matchup that has Longhorns fans so fired up? Well, I think any time you get two iconic programs in the top five all-time in, in wins in FBS, the fans are excited about that matchup. And when you talk about it being in 22 and 23, it's part of a way that it gives time uh, for fans to believe, especially Texas fans, that their team might be competitive by then, um, considering that the last eight years, really since the last meeting with Alabama, uh, Texas has sort of been off uh, in no man's land in part because of the way that they lost Alabama in the national championship game in the 09 season. I think it, you know, really haunted Mac Brown. I think he'd tell you that. It led to a sort of meltdown in 2010, a five and seven season. You know, that led to a spiral that, you know, resulted in Mac Brown being, you know, fired. It, it, it's an amazing recent piece of history and one that I think has fans, you know, excited about the future, not necessarily looking back. Outside of just Alabama, I mean, if you look at the other matchups coming up on the non-conference matchups coming up on Texas's schedule over the next decade, you've got, they're finishing up a, a series with USC this season, Notre Dame uh, in the re, in the rearview mirror not too long ago, LSU, Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, these are all programs with national championships in recent memory and kind of researching when some of these games were scheduled. It seems like this is something that spans over multiple, you know, athletic directors, multiple football coaches. Do you have any insight into where the impetus to schedule this aggressively comes from? Well, it really, it did start with the last dots, the 32 year iconic athletic director at Texas who, who hired Mac Brown, Rick Barnes and Augie Garrido and, experienced that incredible first decade of the 2000s that made Texas the centerpiece of realignment in 2010. And the last always believed if we're going to hold ourselves to a standard of being a top 10 program, we ought to play other top 10 programs, give our fans something to get excited about in terms of road trips. He always tried to pick games that the fans would get excited about to travel to and and to come to Austin to, to see. And so, uh, you know, it is, and it's an impressive gauntlet of 
of, you know, I think five are in the uh, top 11 um, all-time wins in FBS, you know, in terms of the opponents Texas will be facing over the next 10 seasons. So it's, it's an exciting time for Texas football as long as the program can, you know, once again return to the preeminence that caused the Longhorns to become the number two all-time winningest uh, FBS program in terms of win. So uh, Texas fans are, are beaten down, but yet they always want to believe and get excited about the, uh, the prospect of, of a return to prominence. Texas has to deal with the nine-game conference schedule and the round-robin format in the Big 12. And, you know, in addition to these marquee matchups they've got scheduled uh, every year, there are a couple of those mixed in there. Their second non-conference game is sometimes pretty difficult, too, looking at USF on there a couple of times. Uh, Do you think – you kind of mentioned this, like – with it being so far down the road, it's a little bit easier to get excited about ahead of time. Maybe the dread will come later. Do you think that maybe you might get to Texas fans might get to a point where they get worried that they've bitten off more than they can chew? Well, they certainly did last year uh, when Maryland came in and beat them by 10 and probably the worst banana in the tailpipe type of debut that Tom Herman could have ever imagined. Uh, giving up 41 points at home, the most ever in a in a debut game for a, for a first year head coach at Texas, and in just you know three Stooges fashion, and they go to Maryland this year, um, you know, and Maryland has a lot of guys back. You know, they lost DJ Moore, the receiver, to the NFL draft, but they still have a ton of speed at running back, and uh, they pick up uh, Byron. Tower from Auburn on the defensive line. So, you know, DJ Durkin is, is recruiting speed and, and talented athletes to Maryland, and that's an example. I mean, Cal. Cal was sort of a throw-in non-conference game, and, uh, and that came back to get them twice. They lost at home and at Cal uh, under Sonny Dykes. So they have, a, they have really scheduled aggressively, and obviously there was a sense back when these games were being scheduled, when Texas was just living in the top 10, that these were games that would challenge Texas but not threaten Texas, certainly those secondary non-conference games like Cal and Maryland. But now, I mean, that game at Maryland to start this season is, is daunting after what happened in Austin last year. Uh, Texas goes into the SEC West, schedules a home-and-home with a team from the SEC West, and it is not Texas A&M. Do you think the decision to schedule this with Alabama is any kind of a signal that uh, starting things back up with the Aggies is just never going to happen, or is is that reading too much into things? I think it's reading a little too much into things. I think there is a desire. Um, You know, I think there's been indications from – both Texas A&M Chancellor John Sharp, who, who I think measures everything against Texas, even though A&M's in the SEC. Uh, Texas is the flagship, and so there's always been that sort of little brother syndrome. Even though these are two preeminent universities in the state of Texas, I mean, they talk about each other in their fight songs. I mean, these two teams absolutely should be playing. I think 
they know that, but I don't see it happening before like 28 or 29. Um, so I think it's still a possibility, but it's not a possibility in the next decade. Chip Brown covers the Texas Longhorns for Horns 24-7. You can find him on Twitter at ChipBrown247. Thanks, Chip. Hey, thank you. Former SEC Commissioner Mike Slive died on Wednesday at the age of 77 following a battle with prostate cancer. Slive retired from his post in 2015 after taking over for Roy Kramer in 2002 and overseeing the most prosperous period in the SEC's history. Slive played a major role in conference expansion and was integral to the behind-the-scenes lobbying that eventually led to the implementation of the college football playoff. There's a new episode of The Morning Blitz every weekday, so we'll be back in your podcast feed tomorrow morning talking to the reporters covering the biggest college football stories of the day in a tidy 10 to 15 minute package. If you enjoy what we're doing here at The Morning Blitz, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and or Stitcher and tell a friend to check us out. 